Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Sampler. Before we get started on this one, um, this episode didn't really need an intro except for the fact that um, there's an update on Nature's Image Farm. So if you're in the Ohio area and you need a Thanksgiving turkey, Nature's Image Farm now has some turkeys that you can put a deposit down for. Uh, just reach out to Nature's Image Farm, go to their Facebook page in the show notes, or email them, naturesimagefarm at gmail.com. Let them know you heard about their Thanksgiving turkeys on the podcast, The Sample Hour. That's the one you're listening to. And you may get a discount or something special. Anyways, appreciate it, and I uh, hope you guys enjoy I've the show. Seeing, oh, I've been seeing your soul. Give me things that I wanted to know Tell me things that you've done I've been feeling old, I've been feeling cold You're the heat that I know Listen, you are my son Anyway, so this is uh, actually podcast three. We're going to see if we can get podcast two out. It was fun. It was live at the Greg Burns compound. <laughs> and uh, you know what happens, guys? You get together. You, you get excited to hang out again with a cool person that you really like hanging out with. You drink too much. And then you say to his really cool son, hey, Nate, you can be the producer of this episode. And then you don't give him the right instructions. You give him a little bit of instructions, and he does those well. But the really important one, like, don't let these audio go to the red. And, uh, yeah, so we got to see if we can clean make up this. You make it only go so far, it, huh? It really does, man. It really does. And uh, so, anyways, um, this is episode three with the owner and operator of Nature's Image Farm podcast. Um affiliate because i don't really i don't really feel like i have sponsors i just feel like i have affiliates well what do you that doesn't matter hey, sponsors are probably paying to be there uh someone you're affiliated with i think is you know you have mutual interest uh you support it's probably a lot that you're friends yeah more so than like uh yeah getting amazon to sponsor your podcast and we have to go on and Talk about, hey, I just got this cool package in the mail, and yeah. Amazon's great. Yeah, I'd rather put on um, people that I support what they're doing. Like, I support Curtis. Um, you know, Kurt, I'm good friends with Curtis. Like, I mean, as good friends as I can be for a guy that lives in British Columbia that I've hung out with one time. And a Canadian, and a Canadian of course. I mean, there's Fucking that. Canadian. Now, he's, a, <laughs> he, he's, he, you know, one thing I, I do want to say, he took a lot of time. And just spent hanging out with me and bullshitting with me after our first podcast. We talked for like five hours. Mm. And I was just like, you know, he's a good guy. I mean, same thing yeah. with Michael Jordan. Um, so I got a good relationship with Michael Jordan. Hung out with him one time on Skype. But I feel like he's my brother. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I think the first time it was funny because I was friends with you on Facebook first. And I, I hung out with Rob a few times in person. 
And then uh, Rob was like, Greg Burns is like my brother. And I was like, man, I feel like this guy's like my brother. Greg Burns will probably feel like my brother too. <laughs> yeah. And then like you were listening to the episodes beforehand. And uh, so, yeah, man, you hit me up like, hey, how much would it be to sponsor the show? I'm like, it's free. So I gave you a million dollars and here we are. <laughs> yeah. I was like, look, I like what you do. It's free. Um, you know, we'll work it out if, if I sell something. So, but I tell you what, your chickens, my friend Andy, who uh, just got married. So shout out to Andy, even though he doesn't listen to the show. Um, man, he makes the best beer butt chicken with your chickens. Nice. I think I'm going to give him the rest of the chickens I got. Like he ate all the chickens that he got from like, cause we split that order. Oh yeah. And like, dude, it's, I did one beer butt chicken with my dad. And then I realized that like, when you do that, you can put as much seasoning on there as you want. And it's, what's a beer butt chicken? So you, uh, basically you, when you get one of the nature's image farm chickens, which I don't know if you guys know this, you can go to nature's image farm in the show notes. Just click on the photo. It will take you to the Facebook page or just email them at it's nature's image farm at gmail.com. But the owner's pretty cool, Greg. I tell you what, you'd really mm. like the guy. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Maybe. But uh, anyways. I'd like his wife. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Zing. Ah. Anyways, I'll shout out. Um, but it's basically you just, you, you put a beer in the ass of the chicken. Mm. And then you slowly cook it. You cook it for like an hour and a half on like a charcoal grill. Uh, the rest of us have always called it beer can chicken. Yeah. Beer can chicken's the same thing. We call it beer butt chicken because you shove it up its ass. Right. Well, there's that. Yeah. But it's delicious. Put as many, I don't know, but I like your guys' chickens. And I think you guys are still selling them, right? No. Sold out. Sold out. Shit. You're sold out of everything right now except for Comfrey? Uh, We have Comfrey, Bocking 4, and and 14. Yeah. Uh, We still have that. Uh, Yeah, the pork's sold out. Uh, The turkeys are sold out. And uh, the chickens are sold out. I tell you what. So what are we selling here? Absolutely nothing. (laughs) I tell you what. I was in a bind, I thought, because my dad, he just got called to go work. He's going to be in, like, Florida for a year. And I planned on having that Thanksgiving turkey with them and my stepmom. And then my mom called, and she's like, oh, we're having it at your paws. And I was like, oh, perfect. I'm getting a turkey from Greg. I'll bring the turkey. And then she goes, well, honey, I mean, what about you and your dad? And I go, uh, it's fine. I can get another one if I need it to, <laughs> even though they're sold out. And then uh, it worked out. My dad's going to be in Orlando still. But um, I, I have one on reserve yeah. in case like a raccoon comes back. Yeah. Uh, if the raccoons stay out, yeah, I think we may have one for you. You haven't lost any turkeys yet, have you? No, they're maybe we could talk about that. But that that goes uh, her- yeah, heritage, heritage birds breed. yeah. go uh, her- heritage breeds. Um, there's probably a reason why they've been around for so long. Yeah, you know, because they have certain characteristics that uh, that lend well for homesteading, small scale farming. You know, those type of scales, they, they really shine, but yeah. yeah. Commercial scale, scalability on heritage breed. Well, let's talk about heritage breed and then let's talk about scalability. Okay. So you have quite a few. So Joel and I have come out. I've come out on my own. I love your setup, man. I've, I've bragged about your setup to everybody that I've met. Like everything just, it, it, it's very, it's just very cool. You really see it, get to see your pigs be pigs. Your turkeys just followed us around every time. Every time yeah. I've been there, 
Turkeys follow us around. The ducks are doing their thing. The chickens are doing their thing. You got the survivors that you let do their thing. Right. Um, how many different, uh, so you have, you have ducks, you have chickens and you have pigs and turkeys. What, what different, uh, breeds what breed turkey for that heritage breed is it it's a bourbon red we we uh raised those last year last year we raised them uh actually last year was our first year raising them and i knew well if we're going to do this we had the luxury of small scale um if we want to raise less than 100 then we can you know experiment with the heritage breed bird they take a lot longer to grow out uh we raised them uh in a you know portable tractor uh style towards the end uh, because I couldn't clip their wings fast enough and they were flying everywhere. And um, first time raising turkeys, that was a lot to handle because they were like everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year they're just, they're 100% free range. Like we don't even, um, we do nothing for them. Uh, their feed they get, they get into the layers feed. Um, so they're like, jungle fowl really they're they're out foraging in the forest uh the pastures that we have for for all their needs um but the men they're everywhere they're great because they you know these particular ones are super super curious and um it's fun because they do they'll follow me all around if i go up with the pigs or anywhere they follow you around and um they really home into a certain area and they don't stray you know too far which is which is kind of neat they're because they're so curious though they, they can be like recently, it's been a little challenging with uh, all the kittens we have running around. You know, they'll, <laughs> they'll go find a kitten. And we were sitting on the back porch uh, this morning drinking coffee and all the turkeys, they're like a, they're like a mafia group. I mean, they, like a mob. They just, they go and bully. They, yeah, they, they do. And so they found the little kitty and uh, all of a sudden there's this little baby cat, you know, being thrown in the air and they're all surrounding it. So of course, Susan runs up there and, and whips them and gets them out of the way and, and then puts the cat back and all that. But, um, what about when we were, when Joel and I were there, they were bullying that Muscovy. That's right. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yep. And she, that Muscovy, uh, she stayed there and up hatching them out. And now there's little Muscovy ducks, uh, following her around all over the place. They're like recently they've been in the uh, little duck pond off the overflow off of a, a swell system. So where, where, where there's always water. So it's, it's fun to see them in there. She's training them to swim and all that, which is, which is pretty cool. But, um, the Muscovies are also an older breed, a heritage breed too. Um, and it's just neat because they're, doesn't they're Nick on their Ferguson own. make that weird beard oil with he, his Muscovy fat? It, it's been said once or twice that he makes, uh, uh, Sir Duck Grease beard oil is, yeah. I guess is now famous for his beard and uh, beard share products. Recipe, though. He no, said it's a patent. Mm-mm. I did recently see on Facebook though, where he wore his mattress out. So it must be. See, <laughs> seeping into his bed springs or something there. <laughs> uh, old Fergie, he's he's fun to Nick Ferguson to pull around with him. Yeah, he's a friend of the show. Hopefully, I can get him on. I, I asked him if he wanted to be on. He's like, man, I'm so busy right now. I was like, I no. didn't say now. I just right. said that'd be today. Could... In the future, right. would you like to be on the show? Like that's how we always do it because people. I don't know because people usually when people ask you something, probably like Nick Ferguson, he's got some uh, some internet fame. Like people probably ask him for stuff and want an answer right now. Right. And so he probably wasn't used to me just saying no, dude. I was just like you know, 
we have similar friends. It might be cool to have you on. Yeah, or he just, he just thinks you're weird may, and doesn't well, appreciate def- our beer jokes. It could be that, too. I think too. he appreciates it. I remember when we first started fucking with him, he goes, oh, no, we were fucking around on your post, and he was tagged in it. He goes, man, I don't think I get any of these kind of tracks on any of my <laughs> posts. And I'm like, well, me and Greg will fix that. Yeah. And then we just, every time he posts an episode, I see it. You and I get on there and we start talking about I don't know oils. for sure, but I think he's from Ohio. I know he's got family here in Is Ohio. He? I, think, I didn't know I, that. I think, he, I think he's from Ohio. So I think uh, he could probably he, relate to our uh, he sense asked, of humor he and our hillbillies. Yeah, he asked where yeah. I was from. I'm like, I'm another, another Ohio boy, man. We're taking over. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that was funny. I just want to throw that out there. But you have uh, what kind of ducks do you have? Uh, you have the Muscovies. We have Muscovies. We have uh, some Metzer three hundreds um, that we got from Mike Vertries. Uh, what else is running around there? There's somehow there's still some Pekins running around there. Yeah. Um, and there's all kinds. Oh, there's Rowans. We have some Rowans running around. We have uh, some Pekin Muscovy Rowan. Crossbred hillbilly ducks running around there, mutt ducks running around. You ever saw the ducks for duck meat? Oh yeah, that's more just home. Yeah, home. yeah. They don't really sell those. No. Well, ducks a little bit tricky. Um, I think what are they? They're almost nine bucks to get processed. No way. Um, it's eight bucks for a dozen eggs. Yeah, and they a, and they lay more than chickens. It was eight fifty or nine bucks last time. There, there's a lot more effort. Uh, oh yeah, than a duck. Um, Especially when we work them up at home, they're, you know, they're not as fast in, in the in the plucker or the scalder to, to get that quite right. Um, but man, if, you know, if I had my way, um, I probably wouldn't raise another meat chicken for meat. Just the duck meat is incredible. If you like dark meat, yeah. that is the, the especially the muscovies. It's like a really nice. Well, even now that Joel's got all of his birds out at his house, um, now that we got that brilliant tractor. Um, I did buy a book that I didn't even open, and then you're like, "Come look at this tractor. It's it's 150 dollars to yeah. build. 150 dollars and yeah. some sweat sweat equity. Yeah, and uh, it was great. I helped. Um, I went out there. Me and Joel moved it. We could tell where something was trying to dig underneath it. Right. Yeah, and it was. Uh, but it, I mean, those chickens are demolished, and ducks are demolished. Like they're doing their job with the tractor. Um. And uh but his ducks his ducks are laying two eggs a day and his chickens are only getting like one egg a day. So Yeah, chickens only lay one egg a day for the I most know, part, I guess. I it's one it's one of those, those biological things. things. I know, I know. <laughs> but he was just kinda like, I need to expand with these ducks. That's a good story. I'm glad I shared that. But I don't know. I like I like ducks, man. I don't know what it is. I just like ducks too. I like the way I like watching mm-hmm. ducks. I do like watching the chickens, like I like them kill. We fed it some snakes. Yeah. We found a snake. Nice, and uh, I think they missed it because they're fucking. There's slow definitely and something a little more majestic about a duck, I think, yeah, um, than a chicken. You know, they 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 both have their their ups and downs with us. The ducks, I mean, we don't we don't do anything for them. Um, they look. We have uh, we use uh, like uh, bulk feeders for the most part, mm-hmm. um, and amazingly enough, we use a whole lot less feed uh, feeding everybody and bulk uh, feeders uh, like half ton feeders. Than we did when we were feeding them daily, yeah, which is kind of interesting. So, um, but it's kind of a free for all. We have you know one centralized feeder yeah. we move. And they the ducks, can, turkeys, we chickens. We can talk about that with the pigs too, because when I, when you first showed me your pigs, which are also heritage breed pigs, what kind of uh, pigs are those? Yeah, they're uh, Tamworth large black crosses. So, um, 
man, there's there's lots of of heritage breed pigs out there. Uh, historically, Tamworths uh, were kind of known for a longer bacon, so they were kind of revered for um, the bacon quality. The large blacks were also an old breed, uh, really known for their marbling as well. Yeah. Um, when you put the two together, what you end up with is a lot of marbling in the right places um, with a nice size bacon. Um, but what you end up with is not a lard hog. Like if you want a lard hog, that's, that's great. American guinea hogs. You go, usually go for like a yeah. guinea hog or some other breeds. Um, and how you finish it and feed it makes, makes that all the difference. Um, the breeds that we chose because, you know, we knew we were going to raise them in the woods. Um, we know they had to be, you know, they had to pretty much take care of themselves, um, as far as forage goes. Um, but they do, they, they get fed out of gravity bends. Um, and interestingly enough, um, it depends on their growth cycle, uh, during some of their cycles. And we're, we're comparing, uh, this, my comparison is it like A and B from, from last year, last year, uh, the same line, the same boar, the same sow, um, raised uh, a little bit different time of year. Um, but what we noticed is this year, um, they're a lot easier on the feed than you would expect, um, and so where last year we were bucket feeding them twice a day to get them, you know, about their five pounds or so, a little bit less than five pounds a day uh, per hog. You know, now they're eating a little bit less than that, you know, 3.3 pounds to 4.7 pounds during some of their cycles. And then when they hit a growth spurt, they'll be like anywhere between five one to like five and a half pounds a day, which is still incredible. You know, we, and we got that kind of method from Mark Shepard where he talks about, uh, you know, only feeding his pigs five pounds a day per head, just enough to keep a wiener pig alive. And so that was kind of our bar to start with. And then uh, raising them in the woods and rotating them through like we do. Um, and luckily in the hills where we're at, there's there's just so many nuts and forage opportunities that they really gain nice. And This year, though, they're extra big, and you're pretty oh sure it's gosh. from the cicadas. Oh, it's definitely from, yeah. They get, they're, they're big quick. They're, they're definitely uh, going to be heavier than they were last year. Um, they're going to finish out, uh, here in three weeks. So they're going to be finishing right as the acorns are done and they've got those all cleaned up, um, which is great. But man, the cicada flush, uh, in the hills out there in Zanesville was, was tremendous. I mean, they were, they were, um, they were thick. And if you've never eaten a cicada, you should. What does it taste like? Well, the boys triple dog dared me, so I really didn't have a choice. Yeah. So. I did the right thing and step up and I ate one and it actually has like a, almost like a sweet cashew kind of a taste yeah. with like a jello texture. I mean, when it's hibernating, it's getting all of its nutrients from the tree, right? But they, I mean, they're underground, so it'd be, oh. you know, root matter. And I don't know what they eat, to be honest. I'm, I, yeah, I, I couldn't kinda, even tell you. I mean, it's, I wonder if. They're there for 17 years, so it's pretty nutrient-dense yeah. food, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of crazy. Could we sell those like beyond it. organic craft cicadas? Well, we could say hog finished, or cicada finished hogs. Wow. Only once every 17 years. Once, well, a bit every 17 years more come For out. that brood. Oh yeah, that's true. there's always locusts and cicadas, I guess. Yeah, but this year we would have a lot more, isn't it? Like certain years, they know there's a big that, flush, a big yeah. the, the, the certain brood comes out, and there's a they were expecting a lot of them this year, of course, and and they were so they were they were definitely uh, getting fat 
on all that extra protein for sure. And they make a ton of noise for such a little fucking. Oh insect. man! So this year we were. Uh, I was over um, at the farm working on the the pond at the top to, that eventually feed the orchard, and I could hear those things over top of the track hoe. They, they were that loud, which is incredible, you know. And I was probably. 200 yards away from the trees that they were in doing that. So they're, they're definitely, actually, I really enjoyed them. Um, they were cool to have around. Yeah. When I hear like that kind of sound reminds me of like, uh, being off from school in the summertime and you wake up and you hear a locust like in July when it's hot. Playing out late on a Friday night because it was the night you were allowed to play out late because your parents didn't have to get up and go to work the next day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of fun. Uh, yeah, so that's so that's you know a, a, you know one of the great reasons um, you know as, as far as heritage breed hogs and a lot of the heritage breed other animals that we raise, you know these things have been around for hundreds of years yeah. and have proven themselves uh, to be worthy and 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 measures that are important um, for small scale and homesteaders where you know these pigs can survive winters. Um, you know most of them don't even need huts. You know yeah. they don't catch pneumonia like pink pigs do. They they like the snow. They play in the snow. They they'll make nests in the snow, um, and so that's the hardiness, uh, how sturdy they are, uh, their the diet that they eat, what they forage for. You know, of course, if I had a hundred acres of pasture, I would probably rethink running this breed. Yeah. Um, at least at my place, um, even in lush lush uh, grass and clover, it's like. They just turn it over and eat the the roots out first, and just make a mess of, of the pasture, um, and create you know big pig potholes um, immediately. You now you would think, well, if you ran them too hard, um, if the forage was poor, um, if it was wet, they would just make those big piggy type holes. But when they had the opportunities to go for green lush, they still turn it over and wonder what was underneath. But interestingly enough, when we run them in the woods, they're like real, really delicate. Um, if you leave them there too long, of course, though, and it, it's wet, they'll make a wallow and they'll um, they'll get in that. But uh, I noticed immediately the big difference on how they behaved in the woods. It was almost like they were chilled out. They were it was like at home for them. But when we turned them out into our pasture, it was like you know frenzied, turn it over and find what they wanted. You know, so if I had 100 acres of pasture, I would probably be running like, I don't know, maybe like a Cooney Asaba mix, something that's maybe proven uh, to do well historically on grass, on a grass-based diet. Um, they're still eating green and those type of uh, forages in the woods, but it's really neat. The other day I walked in, and here's all of them you know, fighting over a couple new autumn olives that I just put on a bunch of berries. And then so they're just going to town, eating all the berries off the autumn olive trees, um, which is great. So it's neat to be able to see them do their piggy thing in an environment that lends to their natural behavior. Um, and so the fact that you can run those pigs for the winter, they don't need you. Uh, it's great. The myth that they don't eat themselves to death from a feeder. Right, exactly. And so we proved that out, at least in our and with situation. our system and our yeah. situation, that that's definitely not true. Um, now you would you would think they would eat themselves to death like anything else would, but um, they apparently are smarter than that, and they have those senses where they know when they're full. Um, like when you and I walked up there, you know they weren't charging us for food. No, they were almost like pets that yeah. would come up to see what we were doing. 
you know, they were, they were rubbing on us. They want to lay down and get belly scratches, you know, see what we were all about. Yeah. And then follow us around as we were walking through there. Um, man, you know, how much do you think they weigh right now? Oh my gosh. I, I, uh, I taped them about, Oh, it's probably been three weeks ago and they were two twenty, two thirty. Yeah. I was going to say that. I mean, they made they're me up there. tiny when I'm on my knee. I mean, they're big. They were big then. Yeah. Yeah. Last year, they didn't finish as quick. This year, um, yeah, last year we we had a range of like, um, what were they? 210 to 250, which, you know, depending on your breed and what you want out of the pork, you know, that could be your target range. Um, This year I wanted more like the 250 to kind of three range. Um, And I think they're going to be, they're going to be every bit of that this year. So, you know, um, which is great because you know, when customers are buying a half or a whole pig, um, it's in their budget for that quality of pork. So if, if that extra, you know, 10 or 20 pounds per side, they're going to be really happy with that too. Yeah. Especially if the animal is a little bit longer and you do get that extra two pounds of bacon, you know, yeah. that's two more, you know, Sunday breakfasts or whatever it might be for that family. And you're positive that I can fit all that half a pig in my freezer. For sure. Yeah. I don't need a deep freeze. No. Okay. Just want to make sure. No, you won't. What about when I get that turkey? Well, how quick? When do I pick up the turkey? When do we get the turkeys? See, that's the great thing about uh, investing uh, and learning how to process your own poultry is like last year, we had to make our appointments like seven months in advance to get them to our processor. Um, and they were living on the light side. You know, they were, they were a little bit lighter weight. This year, we just watch them. And anytime between now and Thanksgiving, it's, it's not going to be now. It'll be, um, we'll watch them yeah. and we'll weigh them. And when they get to be exactly where we want, then we'll have a day of it and we'll, we'll work them all up. Um, that'll be um, as close to Thanksgiving Day as possible. So you're saying I might be able to go there and process my own turkey? Yeah. That's fucking awesome. Matter of fact, you should. You should. Not only should, do you yeah. need that learning experience, but I could use a hand. Yeah, no, see, I definitely will. And like uh, this Sunday, of course, you're coming out. Yeah, Dustin's coming out, and uh, we're gonna work up a bunch of. Uh, it's just me Cornish. and Dustin right now. I think so. Yep, we've got another buddy, Cody from Pennsylvania. He's gonna come out and uh, wants to see what it's all about. So I'll probably get the rig set up Saturday, and well, I'll get a bunch ran through, um, cool down, and all that, and then Sunday we'll work up the rest and. Have a good time doing it. And everyone gets to see what, what it's all about. hope my truck's done by then. Yeah. Truck's leaking gas. Yeah. I wouldn't smoke a cigarette while you drive this you time. You know, <laughs> that was kind of why I took it in today. Because it was like leaking so much. And I was parked near the smokers. And I'm like, I could kill some people with this thing leaking as much as it is. I, I'm, I pr- I'm so. pretty sure leaking gas is not something you let go. No. That's probably something you, you get immediate care for. Yeah. I let it go for about a week. Yeah. That's probably a bad idea. That's pretty hillbilly though. It is. That's that's the way. Yeah, it's like that guy <laughs> that guy with his thousand dollar old truck at at work where people are like Obviously Look at this guy's leaking oil. Well you're wrong, man, I'm actually leaking gas. I was leaking <laughs> oil too, and it turned out a bad uh oil filter, but um Okay, so fast forwarding, um well not fast forwarding, but one thing we wanted to talk about, we wanted to talk about heritage breeds. Farming with ethic, farming with values, and and being ethical, and then at the same time, 
we want to talk about scalability and we want to put each other in the ropes. Yeah. And uh, this is something else that I thought about too. Jared play. Did you read Rich Dad Poor Dad? Yep. Did you ever play uh, his game Cashflow 101? No. It's a great game. Like, I think it's even a good game. Um, there's a for like, it's a great game to play with kids. And it actually, I, I read the book and on his website, he had like an area and there's people and it was like a free networking thing. And you go network and you could just play the board game together. So I did that for a while when I was in network marketing and, um, figured out real quick that if I wanted to stick around and have friends, I should stop trying to tell people they should do this shitty business that I wanted him to come. Right. Me. Right. But, uh, I learned a lot from doing it. And the one thing is that I think one thing for us is that we have, you're self-employed. You make a, a good enough income to support your seven kids, your wife and yourself in Homestead. I make good money. And one thing you learn in that game is it's way easier to get out of the rat race if you're the janitor. Because right. you, have, you have less income, less debt, less less mouths to feed, stuff like that. Like you, and that's, and I I just kind of thought about that because we've been talking about this quite a bit today, and I think that's like the that's the difference. And I'm not trying to say my situation is different. Like I don't have kids, I I complain a lot. I make too many excuses. I think that's kind of what I've yeah I've I've really come to the conclusion. I work too many, I make too many excuses. I have issues. I enjoy my life already, but I just don't like having a boss and I have some issues. But I think I, I, I know I could scale, but it's figuring out how to scale. But I don't have a lot of expenses. But when you're raising animals, the scalability is, is challenging because it caught, there's a lot more expenses. Well, I don't, I don't think it has, any, I don't think it has nothing to do with animals versus produce i mean yeah. um i'm not so sure that it's it's easier for the janitor um i've spent many a nights uh working janitorial jobs uh sweeping 30 below zero freezers uh cleaning carpets all night long there's a certain mindset that when you're working for someone else um and you're putting yourself all in where that work's not valued um, or you don't feel the work is valued enough to feel like it's the risk is worth the reward. Yeah. Um, when you own a business and it's successful, it gives you the opportunity uh, to kind of put your energies um, to other enterprises and start other things on the side as well too. Um I, I can say that the the years and years and years ago where that was my life and those sub-zero freezers um, and clean the carpets all through the night, you know, I didn't find joy and happiness in my life then. And some some folks do. And I think the folks that do, they've figured out a lot more about life than I had when I was in that situation. It's like when folks say, man, I could really get rid of the money system and like totally not have any money for the rest. Usually that's a mindset you have when you don't have any money because I've been there. 
when you're there for sure. When your bills are paid and you're making your ends meet and you have a little bit extra, money's great because it's a tool you use for whatever your purpose is. So is it easier for the janitor, for the janitor to jump? No, because he still has a wife and kids yeah. and has to make those ends meet. But it's typically the mindset yeah. when you're working for somebody else under those circumstances, taking on that third job, working in that third shift where you find yourself where you want you, you want the escape. You feel like you need the escape because you can't find the joy and the happiness in that. Um, you know, But with you and your greens business and your produce business – you know, me with the small scale farm and homestead. If we like, for instance, like this year you started off yeah, and you felt like you had a certain amount of success. I did, but I, I didn't plan well. Uh, my plan was I'm going to grind out these stumps. I'm going to build the rest of these beds and my plan was to have a lot of help from Joel and I was going to do a lot of the sales. He was going to do a lot of the, the growing side. And then Joel, Joel's wife got pregnant. Joel had a baby. Um, Joel had to buy Like Joel had to move out. Like there was just a lot of things that took place in Joel's life. That was out of like, you yeah, know, plan, I mean? plans changed. Plans priorities. changed. New priorities happen. I was a I was a yep. pussy about shit, and a lot of times, man, I'm a pussy about shit. Like I am really good at getting stuff done if there's somebody else there, even if they're just there hanging out with me. Yeah, like I'm really good. Like I mean, like today we cooked. I was just hanging out with you. We we're right. talking. I was cooking. Mm-hmm. Had mm-hmm. a great meal. Great meal. And then it was like I, you know, it's just like I I like being around. People that I like, and I like doing activities with them. The sense of accountability with somebody yeah. in that situation. But if it's, sure. if it's just me, you settle for less. I settle for less. I I get lazy about shit. I literally think about doing stuff, and I'm like, uh, I could do that, or I could do this, and then I play these games with myself in my head, and... Certain times I just get after it. Like certain times I'll really get after it and I'll kick ass. Yeah. Other times, like I mean, like dude, I harvested those microgreens today, right? It took me like what two minutes? Not even. Not even. And I could have done that. I probably could have done that a couple days ago. I actually think I yielded more because I think it was actually still looking good. So I'll I'll say it was probably wiser to do that. But I still don't have any new ones planted. I have. Neat, I mean, there's people that want to buy them. I mean, it's not like I have an issue moving my product. You seem like you've cropped yourself out for the rest of the year. I feel like I kind of, I kind of have, mm-hmm. but I know I should probably push through right now because I feel like I need a. I think I just need to just hunker down on microgreens and just focus on the microgreens and let everything else go for the rest of the season. I don't even have tarps on my beds. I'm really tired of watering all. What do you mean? Things. When you mean uh, for folks who aren't probably maybe urban farming savvy or, or just yeah. when you mean hunker down on microgreens mean to give no more attention to produce in the beds correct okay i got you yeah i thought about going one last blast with lettuce and try to make a good push on money but realistically i'm gonna have to do a lot of work for a season extension like what when do you think we're gonna start getting frost here they're calling early 
Like yeah. it could literally be in, in 30 days from right now. Yeah. And I thought, I thought it might be a little bit later. So I thought I was going to have that, but man, I did. You'd have to have transplants ready right now. I have transplant. They're almost hoops. ready. And hoops. But I don't already have hoops. Probably in place. I don't have any. Which hoops. I mean, that's, you know, we could do that real quick with some nine wire, but then I probably have to get some drip irrigation. I don't have any of that. And then see where that gets a little bit tricky is if you're using row cover. Yeah. Right. That's going to help you out for like what maybe five to seven degrees. Yeah. Depending on how thick your row cover is. Um, but then if you get into like you know straight up Elliot Coleman season extension and you use plastic, it isn't a real good time for plastic because we're still getting eighty degrees in the day. Yeah. And we're getting you know fifty five at night. So you're going to scorch stuff. So then you're going to have to babysit, open yeah. up your hoops, make sure you have cross ventilation. So it's kind of like me and my garden this year. Where uh, I got a really late start, but then I went all in, and I set up, you know, all of our beds, um, had everything going, and then just hadn't, you know, there was no time to be had to tend to them at all, and they just let them go. You know, right now we have pounds of tomatoes laying on the ground. There's ground cherries laying all over the place. Our experiment. That's how it always is with ground cherries. Though I'll just say that. Oh, so I did that right. Yeah. Sweet. No, ground cherries, ground cherries you cannot yeah. control. They, they go like and crazy. And now you're going to have a million more next year. Yeah. Which is perfect for your pigs. Which is perfect. So that's the spot where we're hopefully building onto our tiny house. So, <laughs> but, uh, but, but, you know, it's, you know, you, like you get, like you said, you, when you, when you put yourself into a corner, you box yourself in, you make it happen. Well, that's, that's what we did with the garden. And we got late. We got, you know, in a, in a frenzy. And put it all in. I like pressure. Do you like pressure? I work best under pressure. I, do I, I can't. Like I will literally wait until I have yeah. pressure applied before I can make it happen. And then it's like, um, then it's like magic. It's I just you know it, a lot. I, I I think back to the days where I, I where I played in the band and all that. Man, I never I never rehearsed prior to. It was always about you know being in that moment um, and letting it flow. Yeah. You know, a lot of folks, uh, musicians, uh, you know, kind of subscribe to. You know, putting an, an, an antenna up with yourself, um, and then, and then tuning into the ether, and then it just flows. Yeah. Um, you know, writers probably do the same thing. There, a million ways you could probably what I try to do with the podcast, man. Yeah. Like, you just, you just, cause I didn't, I was ready to start. You're like, Drew, what are we, what are we going to talk about? Um, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to it. We've We're been, probably like 40 been, minutes in just rambling. We've been, we've been talking all day, Greg. You've been right. talking since Greg was kind of to pick me up from work today. That was really nice. Andrew was kind of to help me get my truck there. So I want to shout out my yeah, buddy. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, uh, you work I, under pressure. You put dude, yourself in I'll, that I'll corner you, and you make this, it happen. This is an example right now. I was so exhausted though. Like it was the, like work's been tough because like the company's going through changes with the merger and all this stuff. I put in, I was one of like four people or five people who hit quota and I put in like, third of my quota or a fourth of my quota in friday wow your weekly quota my monthly quota wow yeah put in a fourth of it on friday and and i was i was on pace to do well like man it's like luck of the draw a lot of times and dude i fucking just focused in i got it done and now like i still kind of feel this flow and i think like man i think i have a I have a really unique position and it's, and it's actually because of, I don't know, like when it comes to my job, like I've learned to 
find good jobs that for, for my skills. And it's a lot of it is like positioning myself. And I don't know. My dad, my dad's good for me because he worked in a factory and like pretty much jail for 30 years. Now he has a good job, but pretty much so he can be close to his kids. And I know like days when I'm not happy at my job, my dad will be like, yeah, you got a pretty good job, man. You know, I don't remember a single day I ever liked going to Jeep. <laughs> and he went there for 30 years and it's just like, wow. man, I got to, I have a pretty good job. And I think for me to just quit it because I'm being a, I'm being a baby about shit or I'm not, I'm unhappy. That doesn't really justify me just trying to quit it to scale up. And thankfully, like I have Scott too. Scott's like, dude, that's such a bad idea. You got a good job. Just see if you can go to four days somehow. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's my plan. And I think, I think you were pointing out something today too, which was maybe I should spend another year here to get this system down. At least, you know, for as, as much as I feel like I have our systems figured out, you know, I, before I think you can quit something, um, or say you have enough experience in doing it, I feel like at least three rounds of whatever that is. Yeah. Then you're solid, right? You know, one time you do great, you might have got lucky. Two times you do great. Okay, you're learning. Maybe you got lucky again. The third time around, I think for me and 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 my uh, what we have going on, I feel like gives me enough feedback where I can make you know longer term decisions. Yeah. You know, so like. You know, when I hear you and Scott talking about, you know, what he, what Scott's going to do for, you know, for next year, what you're going to do for next year, um, when your, you know, goal and plan is, well, your problem is you don't have enough time and you don't have enough land. Yeah. You know, then we, then we had the conversation like, okay. And it's excuses. Yeah. Though, it's, it's excuses in, in your situation. If I'm making 20 grand here and this small plot, I think is the maximum potential with mm -hmm. trays of microgreens in the hoop house, that stuff. If I needed to scaling up with my basement, I think I could do that. Right. And, and if until then, even 15 grand, but not making even five grand this year. I don't know. I just think that's looking, looking at that. I just think that's me being silly. So if your system had a, had a, had a, could, could, could net, or even gross twenty grand in one year, or this year, if you, if you had the potential for twenty grand, maybe I do. I don't know. And if your limiting factors were you, which I think it was, what percentage of the feedback that lent to you not making the money you wanted to was due to just you and your mental game? Oh, well, I'm going to say seventy percent of that. Seventy percent. Yeah. If I'm going to be honest. Maybe it was less, but I'm going to be harsh on myself because I think I, I think I could have done a lot better with planning. I think I, I could have, I think, man, I think it was like going into this year, it just sounded cool to talk about it. And I was like, oh, fuck, I got to do this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So 70%. So that automatically brings you right up to yeah, 15. As we were saying. So in your system, if you felt like 70% of your success was hindered by you, if you would have asserted yourself differently and outside of, let's say, 
flea beetles and well, but that's the thing, you know, though, pests and, here's, and, and things like that. But, you're looking at you're looking at fifteen grand before yeah. you're dealing just with nature, right? And that's that's pretty substantial. I would say, let's say ten grand. I would say ten grand, okay. eight grand extra I could have okay. made. And and but here's, I mean, so when we took that short break, I was thinking about what could I have done differently, right? So this is what I did. I started struggling with flea beetles, and I if I was at the farmers market, I could have still sold that stuff. But I didn't, so I cropped it out. I gave it away for free. That was cool. And then I had weed issues. Now, here's the thing, though. I didn't have anything ready to put in its place to crop over. I didn't even have the system figured out on how to prevent weeds the best back there. And that is just, and then I figured it out, like, basically direct seed to bed and then put fabric down and put something that I can put in fabric afterward. And then direct seed something where I've had fabric when stuff went fabric because it helps just with weed management, right? So because if I direct seed it and then I crop it, I'm always going to get some weeds in there. And then if I direct seed something else, then I have even more weeds in there just because like the when I was first building those beds, the compost I got wasn't like clean compost. It was free horse manure because I wanted to get started and I just wanted to do stuff back there. And I didn't want to... I didn't want money. To, I didn't want to put a lot of money into it because it was at first just a hobby, and then it's like, you know what? I'm gonna buy this course. I think I can do this business. I'm selling a ton of shit at this farmers market, helping Joel. So then, I'm doing that, and just confident in my ability to sell, I was like, yeah, I can do this. I didn't plan at all because, as we've noticed, like I'm not really good at planning. I'm really good at. I'm really good at just working on the fly, putting myself in a corner and doing well. But unfortunately, that does not work in farming. No. <laughs> it doesn't work at all no. in farming. You need a little more... Uh, it's it's kind of like my dad never said, excuses are like armpits. <laughs> Everyone has at least two of them, yeah. and they all stink. Yeah. So I, I hear what you're saying. And, and for whatever enterprise you take on, there's always going to be yeah. you know, the X and the Y factors uh, that are that are going to be there to take away from your overall success right yeah but i i think i think like i'm used to and and i'm and i and this has just been me trying to figure out why why i didn't plan and i don't even think it was lazy lifts i really think i just thought i didn't need to like i i really thought i could you just thought you didn't it. need to or were you afraid to commit to Ooh. a specific that could action. be it too that could be it too. I mean, I, I, you know, I work best under pressure. Um, I work best impulsively. When I plan things out, I, I, I kind of struggle with the with the typical uh, paralysis by analysis deal. Yeah. And then I'll I'll remind myself there's nothing to it but to do it and just yeah. you know shut down the, the 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 analytical side. Yeah. And just get after it, and then you find yourself working through the problem. That was never a problem to start with. It only was because you were almost subliminally in your subconscious creating problems to work out because maybe you were a little afraid to yeah. commit to, to just to do that. You know, when I got here today um, and you have all of these incredible pieces of equipment, I mean, set up and ready to go, everything that you need for a place seems like it's already here. Yeah. Um, and it was a matter it, it you have lots of plants in your greenhouse that are doing great 
and you have, you know, your beds are covered up. I don't, from what I, from what I see, it's not like I see you not knowing what to do. It's almost like you haven't committed to do those things. Yeah. Uh, in the time that they need to happen so it can all flow through. Yeah. To the end. Like, you, you know, you've talked about, you know, uh, with your, with your failing forward podcast with Scott, you know, your silver bullet for next year is you're going to move out to a bigger property, you know, where you're going to magically have more time, um, and more space, you know, using space as a buffer for failure for bad beds to where you can, uh, make up that loss with just more beds. You know, to me, you know, and, uh, I don't, uh, this is my, just my hillbilly opinion. You didn't ask for it, but we'll give it to you anyways. Yeah. Uh, well, that's why we're friends, Greg. I don't know anything about microgreens um, and, and growing produce and things uh, like the way you and Scott and, and Curtis and all these guys do. Um, but what I do know is that if you have a certain skill set right now and you have a certain way of doing things, um, in, my, in my line of work, uh, there's an, a, something called an exponential factor. Um, and you just don't times two something or times three something – it goes in like increments of 10. So just because something is one time is larger, it has a, an effect of being 10 times greater. So if you go from, let's say you're, I don't, I don't know what this is, an eighth or a tenth of an acre parcel, and you times this size by 10, your problems aren't just going to be times 10. They're probably going to be times 1,000. Yeah. And so your excuses, valid or otherwise, are going to be times 1,000. So if it's flea beetles, if it's mildew, if it's frost, uh, if it's irrigation, if it's timing, if it's airflow, are going to be times 1,000. Where that, to me, seems like it's a problem is if you haven't got your system here nailed down to a T, it might get a little tricky going to that big of a parcel immediately. Yeah. You know, so what if, and I'm just, you know, just, you know, thinking out loud here live, you know, what if next year you still, it's really easy for me. And I think it's really easy for you to have a goal in our mind of, of something that we want to do. And it's that goal or nothing, you know, it's like goal or bust kind of a thing. And, and that's the end result. And that's what you push for. Um, it's probably reckless in a lot of circumstances uh, to hop in that Volkswagen bus and drive from here to California on a Volkswagen bus. We just bought off Craigslist tonight that we haven't even had a maintenance check on it. It's not loaded for anything. And we just go. That's, it sounds fun. And a lot of things in life, we can be impulsive like that. On the other hand, you seem passionate about doing this. You seem like you really do enjoy what you're doing here. You enjoy reaching out to people, providing them those products. I think you have to be careful sometimes because if you put yourself out there and go all in like that and you're setting your system up to grow by one times 1,000, if you fail, and I don't believe in doing things out of fear, but – I think you have to evaluate your circumstance. If you have flea beetles next year times 1,000, that could be the last season you even touch microgreens. I mean, that, that, that could spin you out, completely cash you out 
far as cash flow, mentally, physically, the whole nine yards. With with big risk, there's always big reward. But what if next year you stay with your current job because you're making great money? Yeah. When you assert yourself to it, you do great. Like you said, you made your whole your you know quarter your quarter in one day. If more folks treated everything that they do in their life as their enterprise, like it was them full in it, I think you could find joy and happiness in more aspects of your life than only feeling like you can find joy and happiness with other things or other enterprises that you don't currently have or things that, that it isn't already within you right now. So what if next year you stay with your job, which you're making great money, you learn to live below your means here, start saving up cash, assert yourself mentally or wherever you feel your hurdles are that you had this year, work on changing that around, get planned for next year, and crush it next year. That 20 grand potential, if you think today you have 20 grand and you actually assert yourself, you might have 30 grand. Yeah. By putting yourself out there, committing and following through, you know? Um, and then next year, you're like, dude, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't get 20, but I got 15. I feel really good about this. Like, if I do these couple things, these couple tweaks, man, I'm at 20 or I'm at 30, I'm at 40 even. Then you have a whole other year of data and feedback to then actually make a really good decision on, okay, am, am I finding joy and happiness in doing these things? Or am I just running through these motions because I think these motions need to be put in place for I can be happy someday? You know, yeah. it's, like, it's like that Fukuoka quote, you know, you're not going to find joy and happiness by trying to obtain them. That's not going to happen. You know, if we can't find joy and happiness in the, on the road, we're not going to find it at the, at the destination. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? It goes back to Eric Schultz saying, I'm just trying to enjoy the process this time around. You know, why are we, why are we putting ourselves through the stress, um, the financial risk, um, the mental risk, I mean, heck, even the spiritual risk uh, by running ourselves so thin? I mean, I don't know about you, but this year, I mean, I am like, I, I'm so close to the edge of burnout um, where, I mean, we turned in, we, we turned our house cow into our garden to clean up because we were just done with it. It got that bad, you know? Um you got to know. Yeah. You have to be, you have to be. Yeah. I think like this year, man, like I didn't have infrastructure. I, it took me halfway through this season to get infrastructure. And then I got like, I was just starting to get processing down. It's like, okay, I'm getting this shit down. Like I can turn stuff over pretty quick. Like, yeah, sure. There's things I need to change, but you know, man, I went from, thinking I'm going to do this to immediately wanting to buy two buildings from Grant Schultz, realizing that I really couldn't afford to do that at the time. It didn't make sense to do. I had time. Thankfully, I had good talks of like Luke Callahan and uh, just my friends. Like, you know, I think realistically, I think there is potential with the, the aggregator, the aggregation business. Um, especially because let's say I already have a lot of customers that I can't meet, sure. right? Right. Let's say I continue to grow stuff here. Mm-hmm. I continue to just grow high value crops here, you know, my own microgreens, my own lettuce. But then 
Joel's got all this land. Right. Joel's trying to grow a bunch of stuff. Right. I can take orders and say, hey, Joel, grow this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I still would like to move out sure, to my buddy's land. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and I, and I just think it's, uh, you know, it's just like, I don't, I can't be hasty, man. I'm always so fucking hasty. I yeah. don't know if you feel the same way. Oh, I do it. And you, you end up paying the price. You pay, I pay huge. <clears throat> what would happen if you, if you said, if, if, if you were putting things in place right now to say, uh, after the first frost, I'm on my acre of property with no water, with no housing, with no cash, with just my experience from this year. That, that that's what you have right now. How yeah. do you think that would go? How well do you think that would go well, based on this year's success? I think I would go up in flames, and I think it would be. I think it's a bad idea, man. I think it is like you know, like this year I didn't even finish Curtis's course. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't do a lot of stuff. I have Chris Throw's course. I haven't finished that yet for microgreens. Um, and also too because I've. I've I've done a course without any experience and then, you know, you retain maybe a, a quarter of the information if you're lucky. So, you know, I'm going to be happy to go back through. Like I have watched a lot of Curtis's YouTube videos, but even then I was thinking like, he's like, yep, flea beetles wiped out this, this plotter. Yeah. The irrigation didn't work. Can't really do anything. I just got to plant something new. And that's like the mindset that I have to have right. going into the season. Except I never had anything new to fucking plant. It was like, right, 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 right. Well, you know this. And now, I don't know. I feel a lot more confident now. I feel like I know. It takes me a while to get into something. But once I get it, then I can start to really learn it and then know how to watch myself and become more creative with it. And, and that's what I've done with the podcast. I mean, like, I did a lot of bad episodes of the podcast. Like, people listen to the old sample hour, you'll hear them. And I didn't have any. I was just like, I'm just gonna put everything out there, right? You know, let people hear everything. Yeah, and that's probably cool. But if if I have had one listener that's been with me since the very beginning, please email me because, from my understanding, I think it's just me. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I think I heard your show. Man, it's probably been right after. I mean, it's probably been maybe a year and a half ago. Yeah, maybe but, two years. I've been doing I don't it know. since 2012. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, no, it, was, it was back with like you and your brother, and those it was are all kind those of are stuff. some old episodes. Yeah, so that was the thing. So when I first switched over the first website that I had, I posted a bunch of old episodes. So you might have went. There's back. probably a lot of us. Me, we've because like when you yeah. like when I get on a new podcast, I'll just binge and yeah. I'll go all the way back from the beginning and I'll just listen to them all the way through. Yeah, and there was a lot. There was some crazy stuff on there. Yeah, there was a lot. You've, of you've definitely um, you know have evolved and learned a lot about yourself. I think. Yeah. Um, you know, I think your, your, your confidence and direction is is definitely uh, completely different now than what it was. Not that I in know the it. earlier ones. Still, not that I know what I'm doing. No, I still. Oh, I'd never claim to know that. <laughs> I th- I mean, I think. Um, yeah, I think that's good. I've been on the ropes now, Greg. Your turn. Your turn to go on the ropes. Let's rope. do it. Let's do it. Andre and Hawk. All right. There's a video. First time we're here. I'm there with you, and we're looking at these pigs. I'm like, man, these are great. So you plan on scaling up with this, man? I mean, it looks awesome. And you're like, funny thing about scalability. The funny thing about scalability is is uh, scale is a bitch. Um, you know, I, when we first started heading down this road, we had, you know, we were we were bit by the permaculture bug, the restoration ag bug, 
And, uh, you know, those bugs give you motivation and can help direct passion. Um, but they don't balance a checkbook. Yeah. At all. And, you know, a lot of those numbers don't exist. If you do all these things, you can earn this much. You know, the closest thing I've seen was like Saladin's book, you know, and that's extremely specific to making, you know, those thousands of dollars on those acres running those birds. And that's not for me. That's not for probably most people. It's a, it's a touch point. It's a baseline. So what do you do? You get started. You try. You 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 push your system uh, in a healthy direction and get the feedback from it and say, hey, you know, I can run these many of animals uh, on this type of acreage. Here's these are my margins. This is what it's going to take under these circumstances. And you know, at the end of the day, on our property, I'm not going to make a full time income there. You know, um, I'm sure there's folks that will listen and say, oh well, you know. If you, now, do you it, think if it was just you and Susan, do you think you could? I couldn't do what I'm doing right now without the kids. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean slave labor, but they're, no, they, they're they love motiva- doing this. Their yeah. motivation, um, you know. They make the craziness happen. I mean, it's, it's it, the reason that we set off initially to do all this was to learn these old time ways so we can provide for ourselves and our kids, which goes back, you know, I'm, I'm not a permaculture preacher and I'm probably the, the furthest thing away now from, from throwing that word around. Um, but you know, for what, you know, the, the one, one of the ethics being, you know, uh, taking responsibility for yourself and that of your children, that's an old time way. Yeah. And that's how hillbillies made it happen. Yeah. You know, um, we'll, uh, I'll post a link for the, uh, hillbilly, documentary because people need to watch it oh because that you, does that's a you, great you yeah. inspired me to remember that i am a hillbilly and that um you know i need to own it right so then i just started being more of a hillbilly well it's, it's, usually, it's usually used in a derogatory yeah. uh, manner um when i've used it it's, it's like like we talked about before is more it, it's you know um it's a, it's it's a, a badge a, of honor respectively you know this yeah. is how you know if, um if you post a link um to that um, documentary. Yeah, and it has Billy Ray Cyrus, which I was thinking, what is he doing? Yeah, uh, it was crazy, but it's an excellent documentary. Yeah, you know, and and you know, you learn about why. Yeah, they're called I, I've Nicks. always known I was Scotch Irish, and that I'm only a couple Same. generations removed from you know being barefoot on dirt floors. The Hatfields and McCoys. That wasn't that long ago, you know. And then when you, it was a what great. Did you say were you Hatfield? What's that? Do you have Hatfield in your background? No, no. I have McCoy in. Oh, do you? Yeah, yeah. Anyways, keep going. Yeah, I don't. Uh, that documentary, though, when it when it lays out and you start to see all these things, and you learn, like, yeah, our Scots people were pretty much contrarians and anarchists in Scotland. They were moved to Ireland, and pretty much were were moved to Ireland, and then were pretty much forced out of Ireland and came to the, to the states. And then they had to kill a bunch of Indians. Well, no, they went by the Puritans. They're like, we don't want to be with them. Right. And then they went in the hills. And where's then- Where's Dan Carlin and his hardcore history when we need him? Dan Carlin's show sucks, man. I'm sorry. What? I, no, I'm just... <laughs> okay. No, he... Uh, he's got a great... He's got he, a great... He has a great I, lo- I love his style. I like his style, too. Uh, there's some shit that I guess he's reported on that has been questionable. It's history, though. Well, that people debate that it was realistic, but I don't know. 
people debate everything. They do all the time Fuck for him. nonsense. I like, I like Dean Carlin too. His um, he's great. He is great. But that was funny when I said that his show sucks. And you're like, <laughs> what? What'd you say, boy? <laughs> we were saying that we're contrarians, and I yeah. immediately go, that show sucks. Greg. Yeah, of course you have to. What, what was I thinking? <laughs> but yeah, man, when Anyways. you learn that, well, you know how your people were, and you know where you came from, and you got to see it out. It's like all kind of things sort of make a lot yeah. of sense, you know. And that's a uh, you know, and My how and how the coal this, miners uh, stood up. Oh yeah, they actually wanted to unionize. Did you watch Mate One? I did. That was good too. Oh right? yeah, we had we had a fun time watching that. Fuck, I remember I was a kid. I was your kid's age. Yeah. I was actually younger than Nate. I think I was, uh, man, I think it was six or seven when I first watched that. I remember the one scene when the when the uh, coal mine bosses kill the one kid. Really messed me up when I was a kid. But that was like one movie that my mom made me watch as a young child. And you, I mean, and so we were all, I watched it with the kids, yeah. you know, and they seen that. Then you know, you know, you start to plant those seeds um, respectfully that, you know, well, it's like my grandpa who was a pastor said, you know, don't believe what you hear, only half of what you see. You know, when you've when you seen, you know, the government then, you know, killing off that kid yeah he's a kid who wanted it to to help unionize yeah and he was a preacher kid too right he was the bible kid no the bible kid made it the oh, bible okay. kid lived okay it was his buddy yeah i think he was the one he set, set one of the charges off in the mine and they found out or yeah i gotta rewatch that movie i've seen it yeah. a few times chris but cooper's it, amazing in that movie by the yeah way. but it was just it was you know it's it, it, it goes back to you know why why you and me and a lot of us um out here are, are hillbillies um you know contrarians uh you know anarchists to, to the way of you know we don't subscribe to you know how we're told to, to live and you know how we should believe and things like that we we feel it's that's on us um you know to do that which which you know is probably why you started a microgreens business why i have a homestead and a small farm is because we're taking our life in our own hands yeah. and that's risky business you know you're the fact that we're doing it at any scale. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, well, the fact that we're just willing to be so fucking reckless that, yep, I'm just going to move out of here, get a fucking trailer, go move out to my buddy's acre. And that I'm is straight up it. hillbilly. And I'm like, well, man, did you have much success here? Oh no, not really. Why didn't you have success here? Well, cause of me. Yeah. But I can do it there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you will. If, that, if that's what you want to do in life, you know, you're going to do it. But if you can set yourself up, to where you can you can be more successful when you start yeah. there, and then what you're dealing with there are those circumstances. Yeah. You don't want to bring the baggage here, or there. No, I don't, get this man. nailed down, get this system in place, this enterprise figured out. Take it there and see, you know, where you go from there. And then, man, I mean, that's a that's a whole different ball game. You know, if you're doing, you know, you know, twenty grand on an eighth of an acre. You know, if we're only upsizing by sheer volume. That's 160 grand if you can be successful on your one acre. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure you can live okay on that. Me too. You know, so why not, you know, take a little bit extra time and get it right? Yeah. I mean, the, the scale for that model is 100 grand an acre revenue. Right. So, okay. If I can do that and I actually have access to more, but even let's say I do half an acre there and I have the, and I only sell to myself with the the other comp the other business, the aggregator, which I kind of do want to do. But at the same time, it's like, man, am I biting off more than I can chew right now? That's my biggest concern. 
So take your wall behind you, get some dry erase paint, yep. paint the whole thing, get your markers out at the very top and underline it. Drew sample, joy slash happiness. Yeah. And make three categories. Yeah. Well, I tell you what. So here's me. I like to party. I like to have fun. And then if I do it too much, I like to hate myself for it. But I don't always like to do hard work. But when I do it, man, do I feel fucking good about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I got to find that. that Option two gives you food at the end. Yeah. And what I would say is probably more healthy outcomes. It definitely is. No, it definitely and is. And option one is a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but there's not a lot at the, at the end of the rainbow with that one. Yeah. Yeah. So what if How you just slow yourself down? Again? Are we supposed to be talking about you right yeah, now? Yeah, that's right. You're supposed to put me on the ropes. Yeah. That's right. Seriously. Well, you're going to work on that. You're going to figure out yeah, what you, yeah, yeah. what, what's, what makes you, you know, what's going to bring joy and happiness in Drew's world without looking for it, without trying to rope it in. Yeah. Power versus force. Okay. That sounds good. Right? Mm-hmm. You can't force it. You just got to use your power and position yourself. The same problem you have, though, is the same, you know, problem that I have and everybody else is probably listening who, who are, uh, who have drinking, you know, the profitable farming Kool-Aid, which is great. Yeah. And I think it works for a lot of folks. Yeah. You know, but you're going to have growing pains. But everyone's situation is different. So, too, and you're going to have, you're, 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 you will, if you're doing it successfully, you're going to hit a massive wall called scalability and you're going to realize it's a bitch. And you just have to figure it out. Where do you go from there? What do you do from there? Yeah. You know, you know, and for me and my circumstance and my situation, you know, we're on, we're on 15 acres. We can do an awful lot. You know, if, if, if you know, if you think you could do a thousand or a hundred thousand on one acre doing microgreens, you're not going to times that by 15 because you're like, you're looking at your customer base and where that product goes is a whole other bottleneck to fill. Yeah. You know, so for me with our system, you know, we, we, this is our second year in a row that we've been sold out. This year we're sold out on, on everything, um, months in advance of yeah. even, even when they're ready to go. I'm not patting myself on the back. You know, my wife and all of her and then the kids that help, um, the simple systems that we put in place, the heritage breed animals. Um, you know, we, we, we have all we've done is put things into place that just help each thing in place be successful. With feel, a lot of inputs. Do you feel like you could scale back on your business now and make it more profitable? No. But it would be more fun. There's a whole lot more joy and happiness without looking yeah. for it. Yeah. And to me, you know... Because I remember I said something like, well, what if you just slowly took the time to build all this fencing when I was first there so you could, you could raise these pigs the way you want to do it? Um... Because I think that's something too. Like this is your land, and you want to make sure you take care of it, right? And maybe you could get a few more pigs and run your land harder than what you do. Which, sure. I mean, I've seen it when it's done. I mean, that paddock looks pretty done. It looks like the pigs have done, yep, all the damage they could do. And you gotta let that land regenerate. Exactly. Yep. So, um, I mean, so let's say you did scale up. Yeah. What What would happen? Um, if I were to scale up, I, I could scale up on the, you know, right now, most of the livestock is on the five acre homestead. Yeah. And then there's the 10 acre farm or the orchard and, and all that, um, real big nut growth, mast opportunities are. So when I saw on the farm, how much of that farm right now 
Because it is, it is pretty cool. I think what you have done on that farm, I mean, it's, it is very Fukuoka right now, man, or Fukuoka. Like you did some work and then you left it alone. And that was pretty much it. Like, yeah, it's doing its thing. Right. And whatever's going to survive is going to survive. Mm-hmm. And I need to get rid of these fucking chestnut trees. So we're going to plant some chestnut right. trees out there too. Cool. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think that's pretty cool for that part of the land. Like we went down. There's still a lot. How much of where? How many more acreage do you have that you haven't worked out on there? How much more is woods there? Uh, so at at the at the, the homestead site, the five acres. You know, the pigs are they're in about three acres of woods. Yeah. Um, and the ducks and chickens take up, you know, another on on the five acres. There's probably about an acre that's like in permaculture is our zone five areas where we're not really disturbing, um, and we're going to leave it that way. You know, so at the homestead where we're currently running livestock, you know, I, I could run things harder. Yeah. I could certainly, you know, double up on animals, you know, but the land's going to get exhausted and it's not yeah. going to recuperate, you know, and then I'm going to have uh, a situation where I'm forced to not be able to run any animals for an entire year to let it recuperate. That's a great possibility. I could definitely do that. Um, I could potentially you know install a whole lot of fencing put a whole whole lot more systems in place to run more hogs and more animals at the 10 acre farm you know uh in a silvo pasture set up in between the orchard you know using the 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 ridge pond uh to gravity feed water you know to irrigate the trees uh you know i can set up a whole entire mushroom log enterprise you know forest medicinals uh sell nursery stock that land is great for all of that. But there's this tricky thing called scale and an even trickier thing that I haven't figured out how to make more of. And that's called time. You know, like, you know, right now I'm spending, you know, 60 hours a week on the road on my full-time job and then coming home for every other hour of the week for the homestead. Yeah. You know, so if, if I want to scale my system up, that means I have to work less with my other business which is where ninety eight of my percent of my of my income's coming from, so it doesn't make financial sense at all to take away where I'm actually making my money right now, take away from that to set up infrastructure and a system to scale up primarily because. Sure, we can sell out. We're selling out of everything right now, you know. Yeah. But we're not running thousands of pigs or thousands of chickens. If I want to scale up and I want to run four or five hundred hogs uh, and two or three thousand chickens um, and a couple hundred turkeys a year, that's a huge market that I don't have right now. You know, my market demand is greater than what I'm currently producing, and I want to keep it that way. I, I like to be in that position, um, but. I also like to push things and I do want to grow, but it's really easy to forget why you started. You know, why, why are we here right now having this conversation? Why did I start nature's image farm? Why did I move out from Columbus to the country? Really into the wilderness of the country too. Out in the hills. I don't have any cell phone service there. So. Right. I mean, it's it's it is the foothills of the Appalachian unless, Mountains. Yeah, unless I go all the way up to beyond the pigs, then and you I hold get, your mouth just get, right, then I get some service, yeah. right? Exactly. 
Um, you know, I w- was guilty uh, on several occasions in this journey on getting so caught up and future potential and growing the business that I forgot why in the world it was that we actually started off doing this to begin with. And why we started was was to learn these old time skills yeah. of, of, of survival, to get of self-sufficiency, to, yeah. to be more resilient, and to teach our kids at the same time. So then they already have these skills when they're our age. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, I'm, I'm really grateful from growing up with my grandpa, like who watched me most of the time, him trying to teach me a lot of things, me being kind of annoyed with it, or he's always working and he's like, there's always work to do. Always. And I'm like, no, there's not. Like I always thought, no, there's not. But now I'm like, I need to clean my house. I need to clean up the farm. I need to like, there's always something I need to be doing. I mean, you do need to schedule time to relax, but you know, you got to do work. You shouldn't, you know, it, it gets to a point to where, you know, recently, you know, uh, a couple of the kids weren't feeling well and, you know, we're, we're sitting down and we're just resting with the kids. And Susan and I are both are feeling guilty because you spend time with your kids. No, for sitting and doing nothing. Yeah. You know, it, it felt we, we, we were, we were caring for the kids, but there's so many things that need to be done out and around the place, you know, that we caught ourselves thinking, what in the world? What, what are we doing? You know, this is not, we, we set ourselves up to be in this position and this is not the position that we wanted to be in to start with, you know? So what, what, what scale looks like for me is if I upsize what I'm doing, I have less time on the road. Um, but also my stress and level of enjoyment plummets, uh, at a rate at that tricky thing called exponential rate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find myself being way happier, um, and smiling and being a lot funner. Um, when, I'm not putting undue stress on myself on constantly building more fence and thinking I need to have more pigs and yeah. do this and do that. And how much, how much of that would you have to scale to realistically replace your income now? Man, I don't, I'm not even sure I could do it on 15 acres. Yeah. You know, I would, you know, I would need somewhere around 350 hogs finished every single year. 350. That's a lot of hogs. Man. I, I don't. I don't know anybody in the Ohio area who's selling 350 hogs a year. How much is How much is Darby doing? Eighty, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Probably eighty. Yeah, and he's trying to scale up the cows. Maybe that much. I, maybe not even that much. Yeah, forty. Maybe I, I. I couldn't say. You know. Yeah. I mean, and what's and if you need it, and your your spot's not really. Do you think it's really designed to scale up to? Let's say somebody's like, well, what about? doing a more profitable animal like a cow or something like that. Well, it's still, you know, it's a matter of um, a, a cow, you know, sure there's a, um, a, a bigger invoice you would send to a customer, but you also have, rather than going from an eighth month, you know, eight months of a finished pork, you know, you're looking at what you could be up to 18 months Yeah. or depending on your breed, just, just like pigs could be longer. Um, you know, so, you know, that's, that's tricky too. You know, um, my land is, the homestead, we're looking at, what would you say, 90% forested, 80% forested, Yeah, easy. And then the farm, the 10 acres, um, you know, there we only have about maybe 70% is forested. 
Yeah. So that, Where is the forest at? Is it to the left? It's yeah. So if you're it's, facing the pond, it's to the left. If you're looking at the pond, it's everything to the left, then everything to the right, from you to the road, all the way back down again. So the, all the big stands of the uh, the black locust and all the sugar maples, the hickory, the beech, the oak. Uh, a lot of the really big ones are the entire ravine side. Um, and how much of that would you want to keep just for hunting and stuff like that? Too? And that, that that's that's another great point. Is you know we really enjoy hunting deer, and yeah. deer are prolific you know out there last year you know it was susan's first time she got one jake got one nate got one um i didn't even have to i spent you know those times you know getting everybody's butchered out um which is great i'd like to come help butcher a deer too I've oh it's done great that. i mean it's it's real, it's real similar deer, to, a, so. to a to a pig except you know you're less cautious because you don't have bacon to start with you still have you know butts and and you're you're still quartering things out and working up your primals with a deer, though, How you're, do they you're make skinning turkey it. bacon. By the way, I guess they grind up turkey and press it and smoke it into bacon shape. It's fake, fake bacon. Oh yeah, there's no bacon on a turkey. Yeah, I was gonna say. If there is, I've, I haven't found the right one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I could, I, I could, I there, I could, I could, for certain, scale up my systems. How much money more? How much more money would you have to put in? To extending your fences, so let's say you you wanted a fence off. Fence is cheap. Okay, you know, fence is you know, especially you know, well, you know, being a fellow hillbilly, you're not going to pay someone to come build a fence. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you're like me, you're building it on locust trees. You know, you're using what's there, your corner post, and a lot of your, you know, so it comes into time. Yeah, it, it takes a lot of time. You know, especially when you're when you're talking about building, you know, permanent tinsel. So five then, or that, five. So then we're talking about it's going to cost you. How much money is it going to cost you in time? It's time. Where the trick is is how much time does it cost me off the road? Yeah, that's actually saying, making yeah. my income to do that. You know. Um, so what if your boys get old enough, they mm-hmm. learn how to build fencing, and then they just start doing it? Oh no, definitely. It's not just because it's not right for me this year doesn't mean it's not right for me yeah. in five years. Yeah. You know. I, you know. It can definitely. I feel like we we have a grip on what we're doing. That we 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 have the skill set that I'm. I would be comfortable scaling up to a much bigger property, and then being smart about that. Um, but when the numbers say I need 350 hogs, yeah, to provide my income, yeah, you know, I'm just like every other person. I have debt. You know, I have car payments that I'm trying to get rid of still. You know, we downsized our house when we moved out there. You know, to help out with costs, you know, we, you know, we sacrifice square footage for acreage and we're still happy with that. I've never, all your kids are super happy and you have seven of them living in a tiny house. <laughs> exactly. None of them look miserable. Everyone's no, happy. Man. Everyone has manners. Yep. Everybody's smiles at you when they come. They're very respectful. I mean, that's, I mean, that's something too. I have a cousin. He had kids at a really young age and it, his kids are like he was when he was a kid, which is there was no disciplining him. That's how his dad was. Like they're mm-hmm. just they're just those dudes. Like they're gonna mm-hmm. be they're gonna do the opposite. My I mean, my my dad used to say about my my uncle Dave because he was the oldest and he had to watch. He would like go up and he would just put his hands through a screen door and the scr- the glass door would break on, never get a scratch on him, mm. and he would just be like he was like. He was awful to watch because he felt like he was always going to kill himself. That's how 
that's how my cousin Jake is, his son. His kids, they're all wild like he was. And so people are like, man, they're not, they don't have manners or anything. I'm like, man, they're really happy. You get what you put in. Yeah, it's like they're really happy. I mean, they're like, he should discipline them more. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, they're not rude. They're just loud and crazy. Him and his dad were loud and crazy. Like, that's just who they are. Right. I, I don't know why we're trying to put these kids in a box. Or, and it's, and I think it's, you know, the point I'm trying to make, Greg, is, is that society norms say people should do things in a certain way. If you have this many kids, you should have so many square footage. But man, I, I think it's, if people are happy doing what they're doing and that nobody's, I mean, everyone's eating, everybody's happy, everybody's, you know, they're enjoying their lives. I mean, even talking to Nate, talking to Jake, Nate especially, Nate's the oldest. Shout out to senior farm manager, Nate. And, <laughs> I was like, what do you like this? What do you like about this setup versus Blacklick? You miss Blacklick? He's like, not at all. Nothing. I love it out here. And I, you know, I joke around with the kids because I always, you know, think about that transition and moving out. They came from, you know, paved sidewalks, you know, uh, scooters and bikes and friends and, you know, drive wall basketball games and things like that. Um, to moving out to here and I joke around and say, well, I get serious. Well, we're going to move back. It's not working out here. And the first thing, you know, when the girls think you're serious, it's like, no, we're not. You know, yeah. They cry. They, they, the kids, they, 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 they value the life and they, they do see the difference and they, they do, you know, they, they appreciate that, you know, even, even with, with raising the animals and the crops that we do and the trees, you know, I'm not a farmer and I don't want to be a farmer when I grow up. Yeah. You know, I just want to provide for my family. Yeah. And if I have a surplus, I want to pass it on to my community. It's that simple. Yeah. Um, but my main crop, the crop that I'm the proudest of, the crop that is my only purpose in life to raise are my kids. Yeah. And if I lose that focus and if I don't have joy and happiness in doing that because all my energy is tied up doing other things, man, what am I doing? You know, it's like it's like farmers in this vein who are raising high quality pork and chicken and crops. But their family can't afford to eat it because they're relying on all that income just to survive. Yeah. If that brings that family their own joy and happiness, then great. You know, but if you have stress in it and it's tearing you up and, you know, you can't enjoy that bacon on Sunday mornings with your pancakes because the customer is supposed to come pick it up or you're yelling at your kids because they're cracking eggs. They're supposed to go to market, you know, or they're not feeding, you know, the broilers their second ration so they don't get fat enough to go to the processor and you're getting upset. You're yelling, man, you step back, you know, think of what are you doing? Why are you doing it? Why did you even start to begin with? And it's really, really easy. You know, most folks who get into this um, type of enterprise are driven, and that, that horse can run away with the cart in a hurry. You know, and luckily, you know, my wife, she helps. And I'll, I will admit it, she keeps that cart from going crazy. Yeah. Because I would. Um, but so, yeah, I could scale up. Um, but you know what's going to make me happier next year? Maybe scaling down a little bit. Yeah. Taking it a little bit easier. You know, not feeling like every waking second has to be on, you know, building fence putting this system in, happening to do this. You know, when you have people 
that you're taking their money for a service, you have an obligation and you have to be responsible and fulfill your end. But in doing that, the relationship that you have with your service changes. If I was only raising pork and and all the meat and produce for myself, I would be out there enjoying it, loving it all, having a lot of fun with, with a lot more of it than when you put the restraints and the chains on yourself when you have to do something, when you feel like you have to do this, you yeah. have to do that. Man, things get things get a little they get a little squirrely in a hurry. And um, you know, I've I found myself in that rut. And luckily my wife's helped, you know, pull me out and she keeps my head straight. But man, we, it's tricky because when you get when you're successful with your enterprise and you hit that scalability wall, it's like, well, what do you do? I either stay where I am, I scale down, or I scale up. You run pros and cons in all three scenarios, and at the end of the day, which one leads to more personal joy and happiness? I keep going back to joy and happiness. When I read that in Fukuoka's book, One Straw Revolution, it was like, yeah, the true essence of natural farming is not obtaining that. Once you realize that you're never going to be have joy or be happy by trying to do things to obtain joy and happiness, when you realize that the, the, the true meaning and purpose is the, is the cultivation and perfection of human beings, including yourself, man, that's heavy. Yeah. And that's, it, it helps shape things and put on a perspective where if we're not doing it for ourselves and our family, why are you doing it? And that's only a question you have to ask yourself. Your answer is going to be different than my answer, but you got to be true to yourself, you know? Yeah. Or next thing you know, you'll be on 10 acres trying to, fi- trying to fight flea beetles when you haven't figured out how to fight them on an eighth of an acre, right? Yeah, well, I know how to fight them. I just didn't do it. Yeah. I wasn't ready well, to do there's it. There's that. Yeah, it was like I uh, I always feel like I need somebody else to help me. Yeah. And really, it's just I need that accountability. Like, what do we do next? You've got it, man. You, 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 yeah. everything, your place is set up. I mean, you've got oh, – I'm impressed. I mean, everything out here, it's like walk turnkey, walk-in urban farm, like ready to go, you know? Yeah. It's just – you know, so what? So whatever. Putting the putting all the pieces together and actually using I, it. I cropped out my garden with the cow and the turkeys. Great. You know, maybe you cropped out. I cropped your produce size with tarps. I cropped. Well, no, I cropped it all out and fed it to Joel's chickens. See, that's that's a win win. Yeah. You know, and then, um, use the rest of the winter. You know, spent. You know, the, we were we were like, I mean, a week away from bringing a boar, a beautiful boar, to our place. So we could have pigs on demand. I know Joel's really bummed out because he can't get one of those pigs now, though. No, yeah, <laughs> he won't mind. He will. I mean, it's not like if, if I, I, I it's will. Not like if you was like, I will tell him where I get mine. And yeah, he can go yeah, get the yeah. Same, for sure. He get the for same sure. litter. He can get litter mates for mine. For sure. Yeah, I don't think he's. But I was. We was that but I, that close. But, but I, the only reason I brought that yeah. up is because you said there's, you feel a pressure too when you talk about scaling down, right? Because of the people who have supported you. Right. Yeah. So it's like, you know, um, am I going to be, be able to meet everybody's needs next year? I don't know. I, I have to I have to spend the rest of this year. Can I year. put in a deposit now for my pig for next year? Half a pig next year? Sure. All right. I just want to make, <laughs> I just want to make sure you will I not, get a You pig. will not, sir, be without bacon. That, that's for sure. <laughs> um, you know, but, you know, um, you know, your, your customer base, you're not going to keep, you're not going to have a carryover of 100%, you know, every year. So what that means for me for next year is, um, I don't solicit 
you, know, you don't at all. Even though I, all. I solicit for you. And it, it, that's fun because it puts people in touch. They're still comfrey for sale. Yeah. But, you know, even if, you know, folks just come out to learn and just to see yeah. and learn know, from our mistakes. And also, that's too, huge. I know there's hundreds of people hitting you up for comfrey now from the podcast. Thousands. We'll, we'll cut you in. Yeah. We'll cut you in. We'll, we'll, we'll take care of that, that turkey deposit for next year. <laughs> but, yeah, man, it's just, you know, it's, it's a tricky thing and you gotta, you gotta put the time in. And you have to, you know, throw your ego out and you have to get real. You have to check yourself before you wreck yourself, brother. It's just the way yeah. it is, right? Yeah, man. I, I think, um, I don't think I put in the time this year. I mean, I got the infrastructure down. That's for sure. But I don't think I put in the time to, um, really warrant a move to a bigger area of land. I just don't think I did. I think you probably knew that, though. I think you were just saying it. You're trying to convince yourself you were going to do I think I was, too. And I think that's why I've been talking to everybody about my future plans. Because I want to hear enough people say, no, man, you shouldn't fucking do that. Yeah. Scott kind of said that. And he's he's not going to tell me no. And But he just, I think Scott just wants me to make a decision and fucking stick with it. Yeah. Which I haven't done, man. Like, I just, I didn't do that. Well, it sounds like you've just... I did today. You just solidified and yeah, yeah. I, 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 I enjoy giving you a hard, hard way to go. So if I say, dude, you shouldn't even do that, you get offended. I could be like, just kidding, we're not, you know. No, I would never get offended though. Yeah, I man. know. Like and that's I, why you know we can just say like it is. Yeah, like that's I. That's how you know you have a real friend. Like, look, I mean, like studying persuasion. I, I posted that the sentence. I didn't post it uh, publicly though. I posted it in the uh, free market squad. But it's like the one sentence uh, lesson in persuasion. It's a really good book. I started reading Scott Adams. They started talking about hypnosis and persuasion and why you should study it. It's kind of like um, you know grammar, logic, and rhetoric. You know the trivia method, which is something I, I got on. I think did you listen to the episodes I did with yeah Gino Denning about that? Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. persuasion really is your rhetoric. I mean that's something I'm learning with. They don't talk about it for everyone that studies. That studies the trivia method, and it's like, well, well, it's you know, like straight up Eckhart Tolle. Yeah, the way he speaks and the way he carries himself, it's like straight up hypnotic. Yeah, you know. Yeah, Mister sitting on a park bench, gonna give up, and then uh, Oprah talked him into it. Um, all right, so the one sentence persuasion. It's by Blair. Blair Warren. So. This is something good to like focus on for sales, but just even like just for, for copy, but even like for, um, but this is the sentence and he just has it in this lesson so you can remember it. So that's the way it's designed. People will do anything for those who encourage their dreams, justify their failures, ally their fears, confirm their suspicious or their suspicions and help them throw rocks at their enemies. Oof. That's pretty heavy. Well, that's the way we're wired, man. Like, that's the way you can be influenced, or that's the way you can influence people. Now, when it comes to that moral hand that you carry with you, mm. you really want to help someone. Mm-hmm. You want to you you want to do that, but then at the same time, sometimes you need to let them know, and you need to be real with them. I think sometimes people don't always want to hear that, right? But that's eventually what you need to hear. Like, I mean, like ultimately if you have a good friend, 
They're going to listen to you. They're going to make you feel like they're helping you do that. And then they're going to say, boom. Truth. Truth. Is truth. Yeah, man. Like you We got what? out there. I was kind of like on the fence about what I wanted to do. And then I harvested those microgreens. And you're like, how much do you get a tray for those? And I was like, pretty much a little over $16. And it costs about $3. Off of a tray of little green things I don't know anything about. They're delicious. Yeah, they're pretty good. You want to take some home, by the way? How about uh, you bring some for no, uh, some rabbit tacos? Some for ra- we dude, work love, up some. Uh, I love rabbit tacos. Some of these uh, Cornish, amazingly yeah. doing Cornish. And I, and I actually thing. want yeah. to get a Cornish cross, so I can put it next to the the other one too, like the other chicken breed that I have in there. You might have one in there. You think so? Maybe. They're pretty big breasted. None of those are really big breasted. We'll take a look yeah. at them. Well, we put, I, I, uh, I beer can chicken. Beer butt uh, chicken? No, beer can chicken. Cause I used the rack. Oh no, one had a rack and just one was the can. But anyways, I did a Cornish next to the heritage breed bird that we raised. Yeah. And same seasoning, same beer. And it tastes better. Cornish. Well, what I noticed is, when you cook them like that, I like a I'm like a leg and thigh. That's what I like. And there's a way there's a whole lot more on that on the Cornish. Yeah. And um, I'd rather have the if you if you craft, oven roast. Well, see, but here's the thing: the though, craft right? style of Cornish. That's what I'm saying. Well, I th- I think then this the, you know we're probably running super long already on this we podcast. Can, we can split up into two. But as far as taste profile, like we talked about, you know, we did a blind taste test and it was unanimous that the, the heritage bird had a denser uh, flavor profile, was richer, and was everyone's vote. But then when you ask them, okay, would you pay X amount more because it takes this much longer to raise it? Yeah. The answer was no. Yeah, it's about 10 more dollars a chicken, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're in on twice the life. Yeah, I'm talking about 20 weeks sometimes rather than eight weeks. I pay it extra because I like food. You would, but if you were a family providing, you know, one chicken dinner a week and you were buying 50 birds, that's an extra 500 bucks in chicken. Yeah. To provide for for the nutrition for your family. Yeah. The trick, however, is sure there, there, there are nuances in it, you know, just like an older aged wine. Yeah. If you had the budget, you know, you you would be you know uh, probably buying a '68 rather than a 2016 vintage, right? Yeah, I really like you know. Food. But with I do too. Yeah, and see, when the great thing when you raise it is you can you can dabble, but we'll know here. You know, so when you cook a beer can chicken style, and they're you know there's all stuff with garlic and uh, that, that you've raised and butter and seasonings. Man, they were all delicious, and I even dug into both. Where I noticed the most difference is when you don't season them at all and you just taste it for what it is. You know the the, the heritage breed one as far as taste, but if there if there's a rating for like um, Neanderthal lumber squatch satiatiousness is that a word? Satiated is how full you are after you eat it. Sati- okay, the feeling of of you holding that chicken. And it goes to your mouth, and you bite, and you have mouthful of succulent chicken, mm. whatever rating we want to, whatever we want to call that. Flavor profile. Cornish, no, like like the, just the uh, uh, the amount of meat per bite that you get. 
Oh, Cornish. Maybe yeah. the fatty pig fatty rating that I usually yeah, kind of yeah, go yeah, towards. Yeah, yeah. The Cornish wins, man, because when you when you bite into it, you have a mouthful of meat. You're not nibbling around the bones. You know, so while yes, the Heritage has a has a much richer flavor profile, the Cornish has a body structure and a body type that lends to having more meat in the areas where we're probably used to having meat. Um, but man, when you grill those rascals up, that little bit of extra meat's kind of nice. So where it's interesting is now we're, uh, we're going to process those birds Sunday. Um, they're eight weeks old right now. And what's really awesome is they only weigh between three and six pounds right now. So at the end of this week, nine weeks later, they'll be like target weight for these birds about two weeks later than they normally would because instead of running them like in a confined grazed uh, chicken tractor setup, we're using the the same hut, using it for a shade structure, um, and we've homed them in so at night they go right into it. During the day, the door opens up. They range all day long inside of netting. Yeah. So they're out and about, and they're uh, they're grazing, they're foraging, they're flapping their wings. So it's real craft. It is. They're Beyond getting organic Cornish cross. Exact. And if uh, and Cornish Cross are the factory farm chickens, pretty much, right? That's yeah. That, that that's, that's that's kind the of the breed, staple because they they the put the meat quick. Yeah, they they put the breast and the thigh on quick. You know, seven weeks you can have you know a four four and a half pound bird, and you know that's what most people were. When you, when you when you go buy a bag of boneless, skinless breast, you're not buying heritage breed birds. They don't have the breast. They're, they're they don't their nutrients haven't gone to making breast. Their body types and genetics aren't such. Where it lends to breast meat, no, they usually yeah. have longer legs, a um, little bit richer meat in those areas there. Um, but you know, so like if you're a single guy and you're enjoying the luxuries of a budget, uh, where you're enjoying different varieties of micro beer every week, and you're able to you know, respect and appreciate the nuances of this heritage breed bird versus that, it's totally the way to go. You know, because you can sit down and have the time. If you're feeding a family. If I wasn't raising them, I wouldn't be spending 30 bucks a bird on a heritage breed bird to feed the kids. Yeah. Not because the kids aren't worth it, but we're talking about a three pound bird or a four pound bird for 30 bucks. I can get a whole lot more quality nutrition for less by going with a, a like, like the Cornish, which is still 100% grazed. It's getting woodland time, forest time, uh, all the same free range aspects the heritage did. It's getting it in a shorter amount of time. So the overall nutrient density and the flavor profile is going to be a little bit less. But there's going to be a lot more meat in those areas too. And so with seven kids, I mean, let's face it, yeah. know, that, that adds up quick. What does Salton, what kind of birds does Salton do? Uh, I think he's got like a slower grow, uh, Cornish rock or Cornish cross, um, type bird. What's interesting is we, we've, we've raised these before and we raised them in, uh, the, the movable pens. Um, and they were just crappy looking birds. They never feathered out. Um, we were. Yeah, you're Cornish. They have all feathers. Oh, they're, they're beautiful. Not. I when mean, we looked at them when Joel and I came out there. They were still young and they were starting yep. to, they they're looked just feathering weird. out. They, yeah. Yep, but they were just feathering they out. Look like full. They're like beautiful white birds. And matter of fact, I think I posted it. I think it was last night or the night before on Instagram. Na- the Nature's Image Farm on Instagram, I think Facebook, maybe we posted it there too. But anyways, it was a picture of the shade hut. I went, I went to go close it up, and here's a whole top 
perch or top roost in the shade hut. It's five foot up with and those, Cornish. And those birds aren't supposed to be able to do that. Those birds aren't supposed to do that. They're, they're, they're up there with guinea hens. Right? Yeah, they're up yeah, with yeah, guinea yeah. fowl roosting. You know, those birds, you know, never get usually, um, when, when we ran them before, those perches were there. They, they had the same structure. They weren't getting up. Well, they, had, I don't think they developed, um, you know, the, the muscles in those areas to be able to learn and to be able to grow and to do that. Um, and so now they're like flapping, you know, if they can get that high up, man, I might have Cornish flying out of poultry netting and that would really be something to see, you know, because now we're, you know, we're crossing, we're, we're getting into, you know, where the Harrods breed birds were tricky is they could fly and they could get out of the netting. And so we would go and retrieve them, put them back in the netting and try to keep them safe at night. Or these guys are homed in, they're going back into the shade hut, which is the, you know, like what uh, Joel came out and seen he, him and his dad built and did a great job. You know, the one that we're currently using is a seven by 12, you know, cattle paneled uh, with chicken wire, woven wire around there, a shade, uh, uh, shade cloth on top. Um, and man, we just, we just move that every day, move the netting every three days and we keep just moving it up, moving it up, moving it up. And it's really cool to see. It's probably more the contrarian in me that, you know, Saladin's done it a certain way. Most people will take the, the page right out of his book and try to mimic that in their system and uh, have different levels of success doing that. Um, but, man, to see the difference hands-on, same hatchery, same genetics of bird act completely different when all you're doing is let them express chickenness of the chicken. I mean, that's that's pretty cool. So we'll be interested to see what the flavor profile is like because, man, they're all in all kinds of forage where they would have never had that opportunity for that much forage uh, being moved inside of the portable, you know, more yeah. of the confined chicken tractor rig. Could you see yourself moving now with these Cornish since you see them not being little death machines and becoming chickens? Could you see yourself scaling up more with those because they do grow so quickly? No. No. I mean, there's, there's, there's not for profit. No, it's like eggs and and meat birds, you know, for the time you have in it, the profit's so low. It's, they're like loss leaders Yeah. or, or gateway products to, um, a higher, uh, margin product like pork or then beef. Yeah. Um, or, or, you know, the, the turkeys, um, those are pretty nice because at least how we do them, because we don't have, we have little in them. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they're pretty good at feeding themselves. Yeah, the there. only problem with them is like they're roosting on top of the house. Yeah. So like my gutters are full of turkey crap, which sucks. And then they're all over the tur- all over the tractor. So the green and yellow John Deere tractor is covered in turkey, you know. Yeah, they so destroyed, that gets to be they a little destroyed bit the garden. They, they the garden's kittens. done. They, they tore up the garden. They attack kittens. But for all the cons, there's lots of pros, so. They so do we'll, follow we'll you see. around, and they are like that's pretty rappers. fun. It's really yeah. cool. It is, and they get big and they puff up, and yeah, you can hear them doing their thing. And it's, it's you know, man, it's it's just you know, sometimes you feel like you really get far off track with what you do, um, you know, in life, and then sometimes you know you have a talk with your wife, and you have this thing, this little tricky thing called perspective. Yeah, and all it takes is a different perspective and all of a sudden everything's different and you're back to where you want to be. And you know, you send that message and you say, Hey, I don't know how to say this and I'm embarrassed to say it, but I can't, I can't do the bore. I, I can't pick up that bore. You know, 
Um, I, I can't do this. When you accept that you have limitations, um, not because you can't do them, but if you did those things, your joy and happiness is diminished tremendously. Man, that's that's for you know everyone to figure out you know on the on their own. But perspective, man, if you're not checking it, you will wreck it. I, I guarantee it. You know, it's good. Well, guys, I think that's a good note to end on. We've already plugged the hell out of uh, the farm. Let's plug the other couple things here. Grant Schultz. Grant Schultz. If you like cool permaculture shit, pretty soon it's gonna be tree grafting season. You Man, I would. Uh, he's. I, I would guarantee. If you want scion wood, if you want uh, trees, grafting supplies, he sells nursery scion products wood too. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Oh, because now there won't be any left. Fuck. I Just kidding. He's got no. plenty. He's got. Is he selling that right he's now? He's got millions of acres. He has 145 acres of uh, of all kind of happening things. Yeah, yeah. Um, man. I do need to get some cyan wood from him. I didn't realize I could get it from Grant. But here's the cool thing: whatever you get there, use code word sample. You save 20 percent. 20 percent. Typically, you get free shipping too. Every order I've placed, all one of them, I got free shipping. I thought that was pretty badass. It is. Um, what about I- uh, the the uh, the course, oh, yeah. Profitable Farming, farming Workshop course. I totally forgot about that, yeah. So there is a workshop that you can get that I uh, I actually paid to go to. You're and, almost done with it. Well, no, that's the that's that's the course. So there's a workshop, the workshop there that's on the side I paid to go to. Oh, I see. But it was at the very end of Permaculture Voices, and I was so burned Spent. out. There's no way. And I was like, he was like, I was like, hey, dude, I'm going to say bye. And he goes, what do you mean? I thought you were in the course. I'm like, look. I think I'm ready to go. I'm done. I'm just, I can't take it anymore. Like, I just can't. So I just hung out with Neil and Grant Schultz. If you do it, so just, you're done. I, I, I yeah. know, you're done. Especially if you're partying. Kurt Henry could sit in there and still... Kurt the instigator. Kurt the instigator. Kurt was instigating me, not being done. No, I was instigating Kurt other people. Kurt has some uh, very delicious hard cider products. I don't yeah. know exactly what he's doing with that in the future, but I, I would keep an eye out. I would, too. The store near you of Henry's Hard Cider. cider. What's weird is there's a Henry's hard soda. It's not. Really I noticed that. Henry. It's just filled with sugar and it makes you feel sick. Really? Dustin brought some over. He actually had like soda beers and he brought them over to my buddy Andy's when I was watching his dogs. Is and that what gave sick. him migraine the next day? He thinks it was uh, the old, not your dad's root beer. Man, nitrates and nitrate, nitrites and nitrates, preservatives and those things. Man, they'll they they. I'll have a three day hangover off of a half a glass of wine. Yeah, I don't like. You gotta that watch shit. out, man. Yeah, I was drinking Bush Light and I felt fine. Bush Light. I thought PBR was the official beer of the Lumber Squatch. Well, I come their from own, a sir. different breed of Lumber Squatch because the, like, the other side I of like the Bush valley. Light. Yeah, Bush, Bush Light is. Uh, my grandpa drinks Old Milwaukee's best. See, that's the thing about a Lumber Squatch and a hillbilly. Yeah, we're all contrarian. So if you drink Bush, yeah, I can't drink Bush. Yeah. <laughs> But if they sign up for the profitable urban farming course, yeah, you actually can save a hundred bucks. Right? Hundred bucks yeah, if nice. you click on the link in the show notes, or there is the payment plan. And um, yeah, so if you guys want to join this crazy community and be like me, who's sitting here wondering if I'm going to move on this acre or if I just need to stay here and suck it up and actually execute my system now that I finally have everything to do it and I can stop making excuses. And we can tune in uh, to you and Scott here soon, and you guys can... Uh, we'll probably talk about it again. Right. And I think yeah. uh, you'll be on with Tom, Small Scale Life podcast here at some point. At some point. Tom, get with me, bud. 
What's well, up? Where What's you at, Tom? Thing? Yeah, this is actually probably gonna come out like next week. He's been up in the Northwoods, so maybe, yeah, maybe he got lost. He may, maybe, maybe. Anyways, guys, thanks again for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this show. It might be two episodes. It might be one. Ooh, it's like two hours. Maybe we should do this as two episodes. Just do it one. Just one. Fuck People it. can turn it off at like three minutes if they want. All right, cool. Your request, we'll just do it as one. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. I said there's more to life than rush Not gonna leave this place with us Drop the game, it's not enough Hush I said there's more to life than rush Not gonna leave this place with us Drop the game, it's not enough I've been seeing you, oh, I've been seeing your soul Give me things I wanted to know Tell me things that you've done I've been feeling old I've been feeling cold You're the heat that I know Listen, you are my son Things that I wanted to know Tell me things that